Good morning. Welcome to Bridge Covenant Church. I'm Pastor Scott. Carmen and I are glad that you have joined us this morning at Bridge. And as covenant people of the ECC denomination, we affirm the centrality of God's Word. In fact, we have a value which says we believe the Bible is from God and reveals who God is, what God has done, and what God will do. And we will read it, wrestle with it, and allow its truth to form who we are and how we act. Well, we not only will, we do, and we are. We are reading through the entire Bible once every three years. And I think every Christian should be able to answer the question, have you even read the Bible? With a yes. What a great witness that would be. At the end of the month, we'll start reading our third of six immersed books we'll read together for eight weeks, uh, meeting weekly with fellow disciples to share our questions and insights. We'll be reading this book here. Immerse Kingdoms. It's part of the Hebrew Bible, which we typically call the Old Testament. Uh, you know, how do you think about the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament? Uh, Old Testament, as, do you think of that as something old, outdated, maybe no longer valid? It's worth thinking about because when we use words like old and new, we often communicate something, intentionally or unintentionally. For myself, I've been trying to say the Hebrew Bible. It's a practice I'm learning from my mentors and teachers. It also helps avoid unhelpful old versus new ideas. And Jewish people don't call their scriptures old. Well, why do Christians read the Hebrew Bible? Well, many um, don't. And the texts do seem odd because of huge cultural differences, enormous time distances. And even if we think it's relevant, it can be hard to read. Yet the Hebrew Bible does not come to us just as an ancient document. People call it the living word, and you yourself may have experienced why that description makes sense. Our Hebrew text comes through friends, through relatives, as part of our faith, part of our story. Certainly it engaged those who wrote the New Testament. Without the Hebrew Bible, how were those new Christians to understand? And just as Jesus opened the eyes of those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and later all the disciples. Our Hebrew scriptures continue to open our eyes to the rich, shared resources which continue to guide and inform our faith. So, do we believe the Hebrew Bible has authority? I hope so, but I suggest that its authority does not come because of its age, or because of its accuracy, or because it demands it. Really, the Bible has to do its own convincing. The Bible has, for maybe a lack of a better word, a tone which engages people, and its testimonial character aims to convince. The Hebrew Bible has authority as or because it's God's Word. That's it. Uh, for many people, that's a lot. Uh, if, it, if God has authority, so does God's Word. And there are three ways that we receive God's Word. Two are mysterious, and many of us don't ponder them much. Though we talk about them here at Bridge explicitly and regularly, uh, we receive the word through communion, and we receive the word through baptism, and we receive, of course, the word in a very obvious third way, by hearing the word. We hear in our minds or ears as we read silently or aloud to ourselves, through music, through listening to another speak in our home or church, or through an app or video or podcast. However we receive the word, the biblical text is a witness. It's Israel's witness to what they experienced and what they learned about who they are, 
who they were, who God is. It is our witness to the acts of God, to the acts of our spiritual ancestors, and many times to who we are and what is happening today. The Hebrew Bible acts as a witness. And a witness tells the truth. So the books we're going to read, they're part of what's called Deuteronomic History. Joshua, Judges, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. They were actually part of like one big scroll. Uh, though it's a separate scroll, Ruth is in this mix as well. It's a very important mix, uh, book in this mix, as we'll find out. The books are Israel's witness of their life and faith with the Lord as their God. And much of what they write, however, is a witness against themselves. They realize they have rejected God and God's promises. The purpose of this scroll is to instruct us. And while it is historical, the focus on the midst, uh, in the midst of these world events is a record of God's word fulfilled or not fulfilled through history. And many of us are familiar with a 12-step recovery groups like Alcoholics Anonymous. I found about 34 of these groups now exist for those suffering from many of our nation's common addictions or for those suffering as family or victims of the addicted. Uh, but I didn't find a group for sinners. There was no Sinaholics Anonymous. But the biblical witness, kingdoms, for instance, and the meetings of God's people can function like a recovery group. Sinaholics like you and I need intervention. We need to state our name. Tell the truth. We need to take ownership of our story and the details of our sin. We need the support and understanding of other sinaholics who are no longer afraid to tell the truth about themselves and who will love us in the midst even of our sin. We need the higher power who continually stages intervention so that we can grow. We need the higher power who encourages us and prays for us. We need the higher power who risen from the dead, empowers and redeems and forgives and heals us. A sinaholic keeps coming back to church because it's too easy, too tempting to forget our story. And step one, that alone we are powerless over our sin. We need reminders. Kingdoms is that reminder, that witness we need to remember what really happened and what happens. Kingdoms is Israel's witness to itself of its failure to keep the covenant. It's a preventative reminder, a self-told moral tale. I mentioned covenant. Remember the covenant? These were relationships in which God promised to work with people in order to bless them and the world. After the flood, God promised Noah and all creation that that would be the last time that happened. To Abraham, God promised to increase his family beyond count and to give him a place, some real estate as a home base for all those people. Kind of like a church, the land would be a place in which people could live out the best life possible, one which honored the best hopes God had for healthy human life and for the land until everything was fully restored from when Adam and Eve broke humanity's relationship with God. That cycle continued, and the land would be a place where people could come to find freedom and the place from which God's people could reach out and go out to share the hope of life with God. Because of covenant, God frees the people of Israel from Egypt. Upon their escape, they are so broken, they don't even know how to be free. They don't know God or themselves or how to be community. They don't know how to love themselves, let alone others. 
At Mount Sinai, God reaffirms the covenant with Abraham and adds uh, the help files they need because we are we are created. God's people need help files. Hint, there are ten of them uh, to learn who God is and how to be God's people. In, in all these covenants, the focus was not on rules but on relationships. Rules could not overcome sin. And laws could not love uh, or produce community with God. So that's the backstory for when you read kingdoms. The people have been freed and then shaped in the wild. And the old naysayers are gone. The people who only knew slavery are gone. A new generation has grown up in the desert, and their only experience has been daily, miraculous contact with the God who saves. Food, called manna, shows up every morning. Water springs from rocks. And other peoples who try to control or subject or destroy this new generation, they suffer ridiculous losses, while God's people emerge unscathed. At the same time, this new, liberated, empowered generation knows God isn't fooling around, not even with them. When God's people forget who God is or who they are, the consequences can be devastating. But there is one more thing to know. The scrolls which make up kingdoms was written later. In fact, it was written from exile. So hundreds of years go by from when this book starts in Joshua to the time that these things are written down. Written from exile, kingdoms goes from it's all good to it's all gone. As a people, what do you write down when it's all gone? What do you remember and why? When the glory days are gone, when the world-renowned temple is gone, when most of the people are gone, what do you remember and why? When the way you worship is gone, the temple, the priests, the sacrificial system, the only way they could approach their holy God, when those things are gone, how do you continue to worship? How do you hold on to the promises, the covenants? What do you remember and why? The books we will read in Kingdoms are the extremely important explanation of what happened and why. It's a witness and it tells the truth. They make it plain that it was not the failure of God. In the midst of all the chaos, another covenant comes. We call it the Davidic covenant made with King David. It's a pledge that the promise of all the covenants already made will come to fruition because someday David's great, great, whatever grandchild will fulfill all that is needed for blessing and healing and restoration. It's the promise we now know was fulfilled in Jesus. The books of kingdoms are part of the larger story we call the Bible. The story is multi-generational. It weaves all generations into the story. Adam and Eve's generation, Noah's generation, Abraham's, Joshua's, Rahab's, Deborah's, Ruth's, David's, your ancestors, you and your children and their children. The story speaks from faith to faith. Your faith is not just your own. It is shared. It is given. It is God's. The story of faith doesn't always reveal the end of the story. You are left wanting to know the answer, the why, and engaging to find your own answer. The story has the power to engage. The story has a historical setting, but that is not the first interest of the story. It is an open witness. No one is speaking back to your objections or things that bother you. What kind of reader 
are you or will you be? Are you open to what God is revealing to you? Will your social or cultural or national situation help you hear or keep you from hearing? How do you respond when God takes sides? God's word does come against people personally. I'm not talking about others. God's word comes against you and it comes against me. How is it that the word comes against us and is for us? I believe God has a lot to teach us as we immerse in our, yes, our story of faith, the books we call kingdoms. I'm looking forward to reading with you as small groups begin to form, are already forming, as we start reading over the next week or so, and, uh, and then meeting. So God bless you today. Glad that you were able to join us. Uh, we'll see you soon.